you know, I, I got to tell you, I just love the book of Leviticus. And I think one of the reasons I love the book of Leviticus because it's kind of like the unpopular kid at school. You know, it seems like, you know, I, I just love it when you're, you're sitting among Christian leaders somewhere and they're like, hey, I'm teaching this and I'm teaching that. What are you teaching? And I'm like, I'm teaching through the book of Leviticus. And they're like, oh, really? And the whole room, it's like the fanfare stops like a Tennyson play. Well, um, I, just, I just love how the Lord is just showing us such beautiful things. And I am so excited about where he has us from 17 to 22. So we're going to go right to the Lord in prayer. And we're just going to dig in. Grab your shovel. Because we're going, to, we're going to eat not by the forkful today, but by the shovelful today. We've got lots to eat. So here, pray with me, would you? Lord, you know exactly what you want to say today. So please have your way. Make perfectly clear your word. May we have so much fun in your word today. May we be amazed at how beautiful and clear it is. May we really be in it, Lord. May it land upon our hearts. May your word burst open and come alive and speak to every one of us right where we need to hear today. And I want to praise you for the privilege of being able to serve you one more day. And Lord, please... Let this be the very best Sunday we've ever had in 2013. Ever thus far. Because, Lord, what we really want is to become more like you. And we know if we're going to become more like you, we're going to be active. We're going to be active loving you and loving others. And, Lord, you've not called us. Thank you, thank you, thank you that you've not called us to a life of doldrums, of monotony, Lord, thank you so much for the way that you have called us to a life of vibrance, abundant life, more than we can contain to not just live, but be alive. And that's what I pray today, that you would take that vivacity that you intend for every one of us to exude and radiate. And Lord, not just instill within us, Lord, but overflow, dump into us so much that no matter how much we try to drink in, you pour over and out of us now and make us fountains of that for which we were once thirsty. So by the power of your spirit, minister now, get into us now, we pray. And let our hearts just say yes, and let our spirits say amen. And let this be a time where we just say, wow, what a God. We commit this to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I would say today as I would any, please don't just believe me. Don't just assume it's true because I say so. Search the scriptures. Let the Bible always have the final say. Now, in the book of Leviticus, I remind you, the nation Israel has been removed out of Egypt. They haven't been fully delivered, because to be delivered, you have to wind up somewhere. They have left. That's half of it. They've been picked up. Now, they're going to be delivered by the time we get to Joshua. And in the route of that, we see this beautiful road that God's taking us on here. Now, in the book of Leviticus, we've worked our way up to chapter 16. And in chapter 16, if you remember, it was the chapter on what we called Yom Kippur, or the Day of Covering, or the Day of Atonement. And everything really, from the beginning up to 16, led us to that atonement. And now from 16... Now I should say 17 through 23, we take our next major section. You see, 
16 got us to atonement. 23 gets us to the feasts, the rejoicing. When we gather together and celebrate that God who has delivered us and made us free and brought us to a place where we can congregate, not just because we ain't what we used to be, but because we can look forward to what he's still making us. And that we have a relationship with, fellowship with an infinite, perfect, holy God. And that in and of itself is mind-blowing. So if I could, I would say from 17 through 22 is the road to rejoicing. It's basically the fairway to the festivities. The way that what it's going to take from that place in 16 where we've been atoned or ransomed to that place in 23 where we celebrate. And let's be honest, for many of us, that place really, it's kind of a theory more than it really is practice. And we know, and the problem is that becomes condemning almost, damning for us. And the reason is because we know what Jesus says. We start reading his word and we read about this, come to him and we'll have rest if we're tired. And if, we, if we're overwhelmed, he would set our feet upon a rock and lead us to that rock that is higher than us. And then if we come to him thirsty, he would quench and make us fountains. And if we came to him exhausted and worn out and just blown out, that ultimately he would give us life and life abundantly. And he promised us these things. And somewhere down the line, we've accepted, we've like, I know I've accepted Jesus. I know that I'm saved. But I just don't feel that. Where in the world am I? I mean, am I saved? Am I really saved if I'm not that? I mean, I, I know that the Bible says if I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead, that I'll be saved. And I know I've done that. So why am I not here? I mean, in his presence is the fullness of joy. Don't I have his presence? Why don't I have the fullness of joy like I, I think I should, or should? I know I should. Am I misdefining joy? Why is my life not rejoicing? Now, if that's where you're at, well, welcome to the perfect section for you. And that's why, as much as I'd love to cover the whole thing in a single sitting, and I could... I think we better slow down for a moment and really take a look at this. Because if we don't move from this place to this place, let's be honest, the world that's out there, our mothers, our fathers, our sisters and brothers, our friends, our co-workers, our students, that we want to know Jesus and we know are sniffing around the edges and, and, and peeking through the windows of our life. But if they don't see anything different, well, then what's to make them want Jesus in the first place? And if there are times where we feel like, well, I don't feel like I'm really any different anyways... Well, then we would be afraid to be, to be looked into, wouldn't we? Well, look at it with me. So somewhere between 17 now and 23, he's going to give us these beautiful, very practical, simple things. And some of it is just going to be like kind of a bam, 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 bam. There's this, and then there's this, and then there's this, and you better do this. And there's a reason for it. And can I just warn you? I am not here to be your, oh, I'm, I should say it this way, I'm here to be your real friend. I'm not here to make you my friend, if that makes sense. I'm not here to massage you with what you want to hear. I'm here to give you what you need to hear. And by the way, there's nothing you need to hear I don't. So understand, as God lays this out for us, I think we're all put on the table. And isn't it perfect we would get this on the last Sunday of 2013? As we start looking and saying, don't you want 2014 to be a year of abject unbridled rejoicing. The year where people actually look and take a look and say, now, I don't know about anyone else in the world, but if I said there's someone that's a Christian, the way that I think a Christian should be, it's that guy or that girl. Not because what we want is the praise, but what we want is to be that person because that's what we want in our own lives for ourselves. Well, take a look at it with me. Chapter 17. 
And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and to the sons of all the children of Israel, and say to them, This is the thing which the Lord has commanded, saying, Whatever man of the house of Israel who kills an ox or a lamb or a goat in the camp, or kills it outside of the camp and does not bring it to the door of the tabernacle of meeting to offer an offering to the Lord before the tabernacle of the Lord, the guilt of bloodshed shall be imputed to that man. He has shed blood, and that man shall be cut off from among his people. To the end that the children of Israel may bring their sacrifices which they offer in the open field, that they may bring them to the Lord at the tabernacle of meeting, at the door of the tabernacle of meeting to the priest and offer them as peace offerings to the Lord. And the priest shall sprinkle the blood on the altar of the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of meeting and burn the fat for a sweet aroma to the Lord. They shall no more offer their sacrifices to demons after whom they have played the harlot. This shall be a statute forever for them throughout their generations. Also you shall say to them, whatever man of the house of Israel or the strangers who dwell among you who offers a burnt offering or sacrifice and does not bring it to the door of the tabernacle of meeting to offer it to the Lord, that man shall be cut off from his people. And whatever man of the house of Israel or of the strangers who dwell among you who eats any blood, I will set my face against that person who eats blood. And I will cut him off from among his people. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls. Listen to this statement again. The life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it to you. Given, God's given what to us? He's given to us the blood upon the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement for the souls. Therefore I said to the children of Israel, No one among you shall eat blood, nor shall any stranger who dwells among you eat blood. Whatever man of the children of Israel or the strangers who dwell among you who hunts and catches any animal or bird that may be eaten, he shall pour out its blood and cover it with dust. For it is the life of all flesh. Its blood sustains its life. Therefore, I said to the children of Israel, you shall not eat the blood of any flesh, for the life of all flesh is its blood. Whoever eats it shall be cut off. Every person who eats what died naturally or what was torn by beasts, whatever he is, a native, whether he's a native of your own country or a stranger, he shall both wash his clothes and bathe with water and be unclean until evening, and then he shall be clean. But if he does not wash them or bathe his body, well, then he'll bear his guilt. Now, please hear me. First of all, did you happen to notice that God never treated the stranger any different? He held no, he's held no separate standard, whether you were a Spaniard, whether you were Jamaican, whether you were French or Italian, doesn't matter. Or even if you were English, if you were in the camp, you had the same standard as the Jew that was there as well. That's important to note. So there's no one you can't just say, oh, well, my slave did it, or my servant did it, or my friend did it that I brought in from another country. I'm, you know, we have an exchange student and he did it. You're not allowed that. That's the rule of the house. Let me just start as we move into this. Friends, you should have control over your house. Especially if it's, if you're not, I mean, if you have roommates, I think you should really sit down and talk your convictions out with each other and make sure that people are willing to default to the highest common denominator. But man, if you are like a man and a woman and your children, you know, you've, you know, father and mother and children, man, you're responsible for what's in your house. Know that. And here's the deal. 
The deal according to this is God speaks about the importance of blood. He says everything kind of revolves around it. Here, let me point it out this way if I can. I have a friend who's a scientist, and he's a really, really brilliant guy. He's one of those kind of guys that when he starts talking, you just let him talk because it's another language. It really, actually really is another language. And as he started, I remember him sitting me down, and he helped do a lot of the revisions for Gray's Anatomy many, many years before. And, and he was telling me about this specific kind of mechanism, this organism that dwells in water, and it looks kind of like a jellyfish. And it's a, it's a very, very thirsty organism. And what happens is they found them originally uh, sort of on the land, which was part of this fun, is he had just got, he was just finding Christ. And this was one of these things. He had gone up to these high mountains and he found these strange organisms that lived up there. He was in a place that was very arid, very, very dry. And, they, and, from the, and you pulled into it. What they did is they had done this rock sample. And as they pulled this rock sample, they just found these little black dots in the microscope. And what was interesting is those, it was very, obviously the ground was very, very dry and it had been very dry for a long time. Now, interesting that these particular things, what had happened is, is that someone had accidentally put water on part of it. And I'm not sure if they, whether it was sort of intentional or not, it's hard to say. But when the water did, something strange happened is these little specks that were black busted in these things that looked like jellyfish. And they got to be about the size of your fist. It was very, very surprising. And needless to say, if you look at a microscope and something gets that large, you think it's taking over the room at first. You forget that it's only, you know. And as it gets, it's too big for the microscope. All of a sudden, you're viewing it from the naked eye. And you look at it, it's a strange little thing. See, understand, this particular thing was created to be thirsty and to live in water. And if it doesn't live in water, it shrivels up and dries. But because it's still thirsty, it will absorb. It just will absorb whatever's near it. Does that make sense? Now understand, it's not animated. It sits there dormant. Its best thing it can do at that point is just take up space. And it sits in this little ball, and the little black dot was basically all of the soot and the stuff it had gathered in the air that it had sort of gra- that it sort of held on to. But now it was completely dry. But it wasn't animated. It wasn't living. But it sat dormant, and apparently it can sit dormant for twenty, thirty years or longer. They weren't even sure how long this had been up there. But however long it had been, when they added water to it, and it was interesting because it's all it needed. As once it added water, this thing it sort of blossomed out like a, a tulip and then became like a jellyfish. And then it started shooting out color, and like, kind of like a marquee if you looked at a sign from a, um, from a movie theater. And so it was like one of those kind of cool jellyfish you ever see in the deep, you know, the kind that kind of look like it says, eat at Joe's or whatever because the lights go like that or whatever. And so this thing kind of shoots out like this, and it's going like this now, and the whole thing's animated. There's no current in the water. It's sitting in a, in a thing of water, but it's going like this now. I mean, it's amazing, and all you had to do was apply the water. But once you apply the water, understand, it was built for that water, and it can, that water kept it alive, and as long as it was in the water, it stayed that way. And it did this the whole time. But the moment you dried it out again, it went back to this thing and shriveled up and became this little black dot again. And it's interesting because I mean, I remember him telling me that and I says, well, you know, that's a lot like us. We're created to be with God. But now I look at this chapter and I realize it's exactly what he tells us about the blood. See, what he tells us in this chapter is, is that somewhere in between this place in chapter 16 where God atones for us and chapter 23 where we start to celebrate, God becomes more than our savior. You see, up to that point, we really focus on this aspect of savior, but now we're starting to look at this phrase that he's going to give us 33 out of the 45 times. You realize that's basically three quarters of the times in this book and 20% of the times in the entire Bible where he says, I am the Lord. In these small six chapters, God is going to say, I am the Lord more times 
concentrated than the rest of the book of Leviticus times two, almost times three, or if you multiplied it by five, the rest of the Bible combined. And here it is here because now somewhere after he's atoned for us, God has to become more than your savior, friends. See, your savior, I thank you, I'm not going to hell. That's really cool. I'm going to live like I'm going to hell, but I'm thankful I'm not going to hell. That's kind of how we live. We make it up ourselves because after all, you can try to make Jesus your savior and still try to be the boss, but you can't be happy that way forever because you know what will happen? You'll get to a crisis of faith where you start to say, am I really saved? Is this really for real? Did he really just save us and then leave us to work this rest out? Until someone is kind enough to say, hey, that book you carry, why don't you try reading it? And the moment I started reading it, I actually fell in love with the God of the Bible because actually I started to know him. And he became so much more than just my cool homeboy. Yo, yo, what's up, Big J? Now I became holy and Lord. In this chapter, he makes really clear to us that he is the Lord and that blood is not something to be drank. In the first 19, I should say, in the first 10 verses, and there aren't 19 verses, so, but in the first 10, he says, look, at, I know that you're used to doing sacrifices anywhere you wanted to. If you were near water, you sacrificed to the God of the water. If you were near a mountain, you sacrificed to the God of the mountains. If you would crawl up to the top of it, you sacrificed to the gods of the sky. God says, hey, look, at, I'm going to be everything for you. You don't have to go anywhere but me. And because of that, I don't want you running out and sacrificing in the fields. I don't want you running out and trying to figure out how to do this somewhere else. What I really want is for you to know that there's one place where you can get all of this handled. And I want you to go to the tabernacle to note that. And, and God, by the way, has this way of doing things physically so we get it. Does that make sense? I and mean, if you've ever actually been at a wedding, and by the way, some of you are familiar that Dee and, and, uh, and Lydia are getting married this Saturday. Yeah, yeah, it's getting, that's getting really exciting. And um, one of the things you do is you physically walk them through. You can't sit down and just say, and please hear me on this, because this applies in a whole lot of areas. You can't just say, okay, well, you're going to walk down, you're going to take these many steps, and then you're going to do this, and you're going to stand. Because if you start reading that off to everyone, their minds will they'll blow a fuse, they'll pop a gasket, and they'll just stare at you blindly and nod like we tend to do here. Uh-huh. Which means I have no idea what you're talking about by this point. <laughs> you have to walk them through it. You're like, okay, we're going to physically walk down the aisle. We're going to physically put you in your places. We're going to physically do these things because that helps. Please hear me, Christians, because you want to start walking people that don't know Jesus through what it looks like to be a Christian. Don't just tell them about it. Walk them through it. Walk them through it. Let them see what it looks like when you pray. Now, I'm not talking about show. I'm talking about, hey, you're welcome to hang out, but don't stop praying for your food in front of them just because I'm afraid I'll offend this guy because he's, hey, you know what? He came to observe you. Be who you are. Does that make sense? You tone that down, and they don't get it anymore. And the thing is, they came to observe. Then give them something to observe. Be who you are in Christ. So understand, God wants to walk us through these things. So he goes, look at, I'm your one-stop shop for everything. And then you don't go to me to get the things. You go to me because I am the things. So you need to go to this tabernacle. No matter what it is, if you're going to sacrifice, you need a sacrifice. I'm the place you're going to go because I give you the blood for it. So you're going to go to the tabernacle. No matter what your sacrifice is, you're not going to have to do it. And here's the good news. You don't have to go find a river to try to find sustenance. And say, oh, great God of sustenance, now give me some water. Or go up to the top of that, oh, God, give me enlightenment. God's like, you can go to one place and get it all. 
then he goes, now listen. You're used to drinking blood because you wanted power. That's what you used to do. That's what the Egyptians did. To this day, there's parts of the Middle East that still do that. All good portion of Northern Africa still does a lot of this. He's like, that's, that, that's not going to happen anymore. You're going to be different from every other people because you're not going to go anywhere for anything else but me. Hear that again. You're not going to go anywhere for anything else but me. And this is what you're going to need to do now. You're going to need to, and if you're a note taker, this is going to be our new repeat. This is our call and response. Three simple words. Apply the blood. That's what you need to do. You need to apply the blood because if you don't apply the blood, you'll never get on the road to rejoicing. It starts at atonement, but you pull out of the driveway, you pull out of the pavement with this, applying the blood. That's what starts the ignition and pulls you out. If you were going to go, if the first green light that gets you from atonement, simple atonement now, to the place where we're going to rejoice in this, is going to be that place where we start applying the blood. And what he tells us quite simply is this, in verse 11 and verse 14, 11 he says that this blood is where the life is, 11 says that blood is what makes atonement, and 14, that blood is what sustains life. You need to recognize, God says, without the blood, you know what you are? You're dried up with holding on to, grabbing a hold of anything which isn't going to sustain you, and you're curled up in a ball, you're not even animated, you're just existing. Oh, there's no doubt you're still there. But the moment the water came into the situation with this thing, or the blood comes upon us, the blood of Christ, we open up and we start to move, and we become animated, and we become colorful, because now everything changes. We were created to exist with that blood, and without that blood, we can't exist the way God created us. Let me give you four simple verses from the New Testament in regards to the blood, and I want to challenge you on these about applying the blood. Take a look at them with me, and here they are. The first of them is in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13. Flip there in your Bibles. If you got one, please, and you should. If you're new to the Bible, this is going to be fun. It's the New Testament. You'll have the four Gospels, the book of Acts, the Corinthian, or Romans, the Corinthian letters, and then Galatians, and then Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 13 says this. You were once afar off, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. We apply the blood to our fellowship, to our intimacy with God. When the enemy says, God's angry at you, he's far away, or your feelings say, God feels far away. Or you've sinned and the enemy says God doesn't want to be near you because after all, you've sinned, apply the blood. When the enemy condemns you and says God doesn't want to be anywhere near you, apply the blood. When you're like, I just I woke up, I'm praying, I feel like my prayers are bouncing off the sky, apply the blood. When you get to that place where you're just like, you know what, I just don't feel like a super Christian, that guy looks like he really loves God, I don't know about me, apply the blood. Because if you don't apply the blood, you're going to dry up like this. And God says, look, you were far off, but by the blood of Jesus, he brought you near. Apply the blood. Second, turn two books over to the book of Colossians chapter 1. Verse 
In Colossians chapter 1 verse 20. It says, by him, that's Jesus, to reconcile all things to himself, by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. The second thing is peace. When the situation comes up where your life is discord, apply the blood. When the problems and circumstances arise and everything should say, freak out, apply the blood. When the bills are due and the money ain't there, apply the blood. Well, does that mean my bill will get paid? Just I'm applying the blood. How come the bill ain't getting paid? Because I'm not telling you that's paying your bill. That's giving you peace. There's a difference. This isn't God being your genie. You're not rubbing a lamp for God to give you what you want. This is God giving you peace. Sometimes he will remove the storm, but I guarantee you, he can pull the storm out of the inside of you. And that's the storm that needs to leave, even in the heat of the storm that's around you. He promised when the house was built on the sand and the house was built on the rock, that in both cases, the rains would fall. In both cases, the floods would rise. In both cases, the winds would beat. He didn't say when the house was built on the rock that it was a, that it was void from any of those or immune from any of those. As a matter of fact, I'm convinced one of the reasons God allows storms in your life is to show you that your house still stands. Is to show those around you that your house still stands when theirs would have fallen. And sometimes the world is looking and someone gets cancer and you know, no one, some people wouldn't have given you the time of day. Now everyone's like sniffing up in your grill and they want to know everything. They want to go out for tea. That person wouldn't have given you the time of day before and now they're like, can I go buy you dinner? And they didn't do that because they're like, you look thin. They're doing that because they want to hear, they want to see whether this God you talk about is really different. And it's in those moments you want, he is or he isn't. And if we're governed by the world around us and it's, you know, and everything guts us, then we're, then what difference do we have than anyone else? So when the peace seems lacking what do you do saints okay thank you for our view how about the rest of you when the peace seems lacking what do you do thank you all right we got two more turn to the right now to the book of hebrews that's a large it's a larger book you'll go through the t books you'll get to hebrews right before james hebrews chapter 9 It says this in verse 14. I'll let you get there. Go ahead. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Can I say the third thing is your past? And this is a place, can I just say, the enemy loves to work. You know why? Because you can't change it. And the, the enemy loves to remember. See, he doesn't know the future. But he seems to know our past pretty well. And the reason is I think we've given him enough things to remember. So I'll say, Naomi, remember when you, and then you, you said you would never, and then you, even worse. You'll always be, Selfish, dirty, filthy, confused, alone, insecure, needy. Remember when you were? 
You can't change it. You can't go back there, but you can do this. Well, saints, what can you do? You can apply the blood. You know what happens when you're covered in blood? You just don't see it like you used to. Because you know what, the, what happens when the blood covers your, your past? It says one word, and that word is grace. It says forgiven. So the enemy says, remember when you did blah, 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 and you're like, mm, you know, through the blood, it looks like forgiven to me. Did anyone ever tell you that if the enemy reminds you of your past, remind him of his future? Well, (laughs) the last of them, speaking of which, go to the book of Revelation, last book of the Bible. Here's our fourth. Revelation chapter 12. Verse 11, the Antichrist is risen up and he seems inconquerable. And this is what we read. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony and that they did not love their lives unto death. The last of them, we apply the blood for our victory, for our struggles. You'd say, but I'm still struggling. Have you ever heard anyone ever say, dead people don't struggle? It's a sign of life. And the bottom line is, you know why you're wrestling? Because you're breathing. And you're like, I feel like I'm struggling spiritually. Yeah, you're wrestling spiritually. That's exactly what 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 and 5 says. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. It tells us that the we- weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God. And you know what happens when you're in the battle? What do you do, saints? I'm sorry, I didn't hear that. What do you do? That's right. So let me start asking you some questions. Ready? This should be a really easy test to pass. You're lonely. It's Christmas. You're like, someone's already like, blah, 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 blah. I've been trying to blah, blah. <laughs> E-harmony, apply the blood. E-harmony, apply the blood. Apply the blood. It's Christmas. You're watching It's a Wonderful Life. It doesn't look like a wonderful life. You should be with someone and you're not with someone. Or at least you don't think you're with someone. But Jesus died to be with you. What do you do? Yes. You're saying, I might die single. What do you do? Yeah, the enemy says, no one's ever going to want you. No one's ever going to like you. What do you say? That's right. That's what I'm doing. I'm applying the blood. Someone looks at you and you think they were going to like you. And they go, mm-hmm. What do you do? That's right. You're afraid that someone's going to, afraid someone's not going to like you if you're actually going to be bold about Jesus, but they're going to diss you, but they might have dug your chili if it weren't the case. What do you do? That's right. Someone says, you know what? I got a friend right now, and there's this whole thing called equallyyoke.com or something like that, right? And I'm going to hook you up with someone, and it's like, I love, they love Jesus too. And you know, it's like, go ahead and put matters into your own hands. What are you going to do? That's right. And you say, you know what? I'm, but I'm a feel, I feel lonely. And all your friends went out somewhere and they somehow, somehow missed your phone number when they were calling people up. And I don't know how it worked out, but all of a sudden they're all hooting and hollering, or so you think. And here you are sitting by yourself staring at a phone that ain't ringing. What do you do? Right, because you have been brought close to Jesus. You have intimacy with Him. And you know how you had that intimacy with Him? Because you applied the blood. That's what happened. Well, let me ask you some more questions. Hey, so far you're doing well. I mean, I don't think it's as heartfelt as it could be, but there's the, okay, okay, it's, things are getting a little bit crazy outside. You know, it's like, you know, someone's telling you that the whole world's run by the Illuminati. What do you do? Apply the 
someone says the Antichrist is probably right now living in England. What do you say? Apply the blood. That's what I'm going to do, right? And they're like, oh, I don't know. The whole world's just about to fall apart. I think we're about part of a one world government and the whole thing's going to fall down. What do you do? That's right. And they say, you know what? Let's just be honest. Beloved, let me just tell you this. This is the Titanic. It's going down, but I already got my life raft. How about you? You know how I got it? Because I applied the blood. That's what I did. That's the way it works. It's a relationship. And they always have been nice to you, but somehow all of a sudden they turned around and looked at you like you're from outer space. What do you do? That's right. And all of a sudden your boss looks and goes, you know, I'm not too sure we have enough money to keep you next year. What do you do? That's right. You're out confronted with a choice. And you know, on one side it's real easy, on the other side, and it seems right, this is the right thing. It's a much harder choice to make because it's unknown. What do you do? Okay, come you're quiet now because that's like the harder to apply the blood to or you're just getting tired. Getting tired of applying the blood? You realize how much this is an aerobic activity, right? So you said you never sinned, but you did it again. What do you do? That's right. That's right. You get reminded, even by people who are friends, you know, you said that that was the case, and look at who you are. What do you do? That's right. Someone says you'll always be an alcoholic. What do you do? Someone says you'll always be a sex addict, a pervert, a crazy person, or whatever. What do you do? That's right. You'll always be violent. What do you do? That's right. That's your past, and it's covered in blood now, friends. That's the way it works. You get it? Okay, last. So, you thought you were stronger, but you weren't. And you fell. What do you do? Yeah. Okay, that were four of you. What happened, all right? The rest of you are like, oh, really? This isn't license to sin. This is the road to celebrate. You get that? Because if we don't apply the blood, we're going to shrivel up and be a little black spot. But if we apply the blood, guess what happens? It's for real. I'm going to move forward to the next chapter. But we could stop here, and we're going to need to. So this is what I'm going to do. Something a little out of the ordinary, but too bad. Because when will we ever orthodox? Right? This is what I'm going to ask you to do. Ready? Here we go. Guys, stand up. You are, you're a guy. Yeah, you did, was there, were there any questions? Okay, we're going to do something strangely Puritan for a moment. Hey, you know what? This is the fun of actually having a fairly intimate fellowship at the moment. Guys, you go into the back and pray for each other that you would apply the blood. Do you do that? That this would become more than just a little mantra? Ladies, there's enough of you because you kind of outnumber the men about four to one. So ladies on this side, would you all get together? And ladies on this side, would you get together? Just take about five minutes and just pray, Lord... Make this. Let us get to the road of rejoicing. Now let's get for real. Would you do that? Come on, let's be the family God called us to be, shall we? And then we'll come back and we'll pick up the next chapter because you're going to need prayer. Yeah, praying for each other. Pray for each other.
This is all my hope and peace Nothing but the blood of Jesus This is all my righteousness Nothing but the blood of Jesus mm-hmm. Now by this I'll overcome Nothing but the blood of Jesus Now by this I'll reach my home Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Will you sing with me? Oh, precious is the flower. Oh, precious is the flow that leads me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the foe. Oh, precious is the flow that leaves me. White as snow, no other found I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for your son. Thank you for your love. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for your son. Thank you for your love. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for your son. Thank you for your love. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for your son. Thank you for your love. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for your son. Thank you for your love. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for your son. Thank you for your love. Thank you for Jesus. And oh, precious is the flow that Makes me white as snow Oh, no other fun I know Nothing but the blood of Jesus Nothing but the blood of Jesus 
nothing but the blood of Jesus. as we um, just want to go on forever and we even have time for a moment give us a heart now to go into your next chapter and to hear your voice speak to us even as you already have in Jesus name Amen So there you go How's that to start us off to get us on the road to rejoicing Are you there? I'm on my way. You have a question. What is the question? How do you apply the blood? That's a beautiful question. We apply the blood first in prayer. Lord, let me see this person that you bled and died for, covered in your blood. And it starts with this. As the blood and only the blood atones, you can't atone yourself. And if you can't atone yourself, then you've got to stand before God either with all of your guilt or cleansed from all of your guilt. And the only thing that will do that is the blood of Jesus. The good news is the Lord has enough blood for everyone. And he is here to wash every one of us. Just the same way that that mechanism that organism only had to receive the water it was immersed in god simply asks for you by faith to receive to receive the gift because many are called (laughs) (laughs) 
and I, yeah, and that's and are chosen. And today the Lord would like to um, to minister, and I think it's. Can I just say, as a pastor, how utterly beautiful it is to watch our fellowship pray for each other, to watch you minister to each other. That this isn't a one-man show. It's one person, but it isn't me. It's Jesus. And I'm just another brother doing what God's called me to. Please hear me. We start by accepting the gift of Jesus Christ's death on the cross. Have you done that? Have you accepted the gift of Jesus for your sins? When his blood was shed to cleanse you and atone for you. If you haven't, I'm going to give you that choice in here in a moment. And I'm going to lay it heavy because the next chapter is going to get in our face. And I love this. If you have, and you've accepted the gift of Jesus Christ, not only his death, but his resurrection, so that he can be the Lord and not just the Savior of your life. Now we pray, Lord, apply the blood. And it really is that simple. Change my behaviors change my mindsets, change my priorities. Let, it's like this. We need a spiritual blood transfusion and God is in the business of doing so. Okay, let's turn to the next chapter because it goes pretty quick. We could stop here, couldn't we? A yard full? Good, well now it's dessert time. And of all the chapters for it, 18. Listen to the first Six, I'm sure it's first five verses. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, I am the Lord your God. According to the doings of the land of Egypt, where you dwelt, don't do it, you shall not do. And according to the doings of the land of Canaan, where I'm bringing you, you shall not do. Nor shall you walk in their ordinances. You shall observe my judgments and keep my ordinances to walk in them. I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments. If a man does them, he shall live by them. I am the Lord. He's going to then go from chapter, from verse 6 then to the rest of the chapter. And he's going to basically say this. Are you ready? And I'm just going to, I want to call it plainly. Don't have sex with your mom your dad, your sister, your brother, your aunt, your uncle, your in-laws, a mother and her daughter, or her granddaughter, two women who are rivals, a woman when she's that time of the month, your neighbor's wife, a male, or an animal, or Molech. Don't do anything for him at all. That's the rest of the chapter. It's just that simple. It's amazing that God even has to say that, right? Actually, it's not here, is it? This could be written just as much to London as anywhere else. Now, please understand, listen to these first five verses again. According to the doings of the land of Egypt, where you dwelt, you shall not do. According to the doings of the land of Canaan, where I am bringing you, you shall not do. He says by the end of verse five, if a man does them, he's going to have to live by them. You with me on this? Listen to me. Before God even lays out this standard, and understand, he didn't do this without atoning for them first. Do you see that? God didn't tell the world that this had to happen. He said, if you're mine, now that you're mine, listen, I'm pulling you out of where you came from. I'm putting you in someplace different. And neither one of those cultures is going to be acceptable to me. The reason I'm putting you in, the reason I'm pulling you out is to change you. The reason I'm putting you somewhere else is to change them. You hear me on this? You do hear me, right? Listen, 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 listen. 
This area is the area God has to tell us this. I mean, think about all the areas he could have. He could have said it in regards to don't drink blood, but he didn't say it there. It could have been in the area of don't kill people and all the Ten Commandments that he laid out. But that's not where he said, here, this one area, more than any other area, this is the area, he says, where you came from, where you're going. Don't expect anywhere in the world you live to have this standard. Don't expect it. Don't expect it. Don't expect anybody to applaud your standard when it comes to purity. Don't expect it. The two worlds, the one you left, the one you're going into, Neither one is going to look at you and go, oh, that's really great. You're waiting till marriage. How beautiful is that? They're going to say, what's wrong with you? Do you have some medical problem? Do you have wicked parents? Is there a defect? And you'll even be taught by people who call themselves Christians. And I can't even tell you they're not, because Christians can give wonky advice too. Isn't that true? All you have to do is give unbiblical advice. You could say, well, just because all you have to do is judge from the world you came from or the world you're in right now and not from the word that you should be in instead. And he says, listen, this is what's acceptable. It's a free-for-all in the world you're in. Know that. Hey, since Pharaoh's daughter was the, next, was the one who picked the next Pharaoh, it was common for the son of Pharaoh to marry his sister so that he could become the next Pharaoh. That's how it begins. It happens with royalty. They marry to become kings. So if that's where it starts with the leadership, well, what do you think happens to the world around them that they're supposed to be governing? Do you think they're going to be any different? They're going to take that and run with it. I've learned this. As a profile individual, you should expect, I remember this is when I taught secondary school, Whatever you do that's not right, expect them to do five times worse. Whatever you do right, expect them to do five, one-fifth of it. Now, please hear me. We don't have to develop, do we? Don't have sex with an animal. Uh, forgive me that I even have to say these things. It's in Scripture right here. Don't marry your sister or your brother or your uncle or your aunt. Please don't do that. Guys, like I've given you a lot of choices in the world. You don't need that. But do you notice right in the middle of that is homosexuality and I can't avoid it. It's right there in the text. And you'd say, well, that's the old covenant. God says, listen, it's the world you came from. It's common. It's the world you're in. It's common. But I didn't invent you that way. He says, if I could just be simple to tell you, anatomically, you don't fit together that way. Now, please hear me. God makes really clear sexual immorality does not extend solely to homosexuality. Sexual immorality is sexual immorality. And all it is is anything and everything off the menu of a man and a woman who are committed in marriage. And you could say, but I have appetites that are outside of that menu. We all have appetites in some area or arena of God's menus that are outside the menu. That's all that sin is. And you could say, how dare God? Wait a minute. Really, we want to go there with it. How dare God tell me that my appetites aren't okay? What about the person that likes little children? That's an appetite. And, you can t- and they could say, I was born with it. And look, at I'm not trying to get gross. I'm just trying to be honest. Where do you draw the line? And you say, well, that's okay, but this isn't okay. Oh, now you've set a standard too, haven't you? Is it okay to rape? Well, that's your standard. 
Yeah, but everyone has one somewhere. And either you're going to go with the word of God or you're going to go with what you feel that's acceptable in society around you. And let me just say, God, don't, this is what God says here. Don't expect the world to agree with you. Don't expect it. Expect even your own appetites to have to be carved, shaved, and reinvented because in the end of it all, if you're playing, you're still sinning. And if you're running around and you've married somebody and you said, till death do we part, and you divorced and you ran in after somebody else, you are still in sexual sin too. God made that clear. Now, I'm not here to dish your past. But I'm saying, what you're in now, be wise with your choices. Because if we want to go to the road to rejoicing, and you're going from relationship to relationship to relationship to try to figure out how you're going to be fulfilled, you'll never rejoice in that world because you're going to still try to find something. But remember, this is what happens if you don't apply the blood. If I don't apply the blood to my loneliness. God, I feel lonely. Please fill that spot with your blood. If I don't, I'm going to try to find someone else. And don't you dare think, singles, that that gets better once you get married. Because if you don't fill it with Christ, you're going to be more lonely once you get married because you're going to have somebody that's supposed to, you think will fulfill you, and they don't because they're not God. And then you'll look at them and say, what's wrong with you? They'll look at you and say, what's wrong with you? And you'll try to figure out each other. And then you're like, well, now I'm twice the mutant I was before because now I'm supposed to have it and I don't. That's the way the world works. And you don't even have to watch R-rated or X-rated things to be able to get that. You can get that from Disney. Why don't I have a boyfriend? I'm eight already, for goodness sakes. <laughs> and by this point, I should have run away from home, proved my parents wrong so they could repent by the end of the movie and have three or four boyfriends. Some of them even gnomes. And I'm sure that will wind up on the list if they were real. Please hear me in this. I could, we had to stand up as a church. But the church doesn't, the church cannot stand against one kind of marriage fault and not stand against the other. And the church for 50 years hasn't stood up against divorce. Now here, I'm not here to dish your past. I'm here to challenge your present. Wherever you're at today, never, 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 for the record, expect me to encourage divorce. Under any circumstance, I'll want your marriage more than you will. Of the hundreds of marriages that we had done in America before we left, we know of no divorces of the time before we left. No, that doesn't. We just told them, hey, if you want to get divorced, tell us. We'll kill you. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> it works. <laughs> now, look at This is why we need to do this and then go to prayer. Listen to these verses, by the way. You say, well, that's, you know, that's Old Testament stuff. And we're under the, you know, we're under the new covenant now. Okay, well, here, let me just shatter that for you, okay? Um. <laughs> First Corinthians chapter six, one of my favorite places. Four quick verses. Starting in verse nine. Hey, when I was eleven years old in America, that's sixth grade. No, that's not. You're right. I haven't read that yet. Three different girls got pregnant in my class. And you know what scares me? Is that's the age of my youngest. No. I can't even fathom that. Well. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? 
Don't be deceived. Listen to that. Don't be deceived. Neither fornicators, that's sex outside of marriage, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, that's sex outside of marriage, and you're married, nor homosexuals or sodomites, nor thieves or covetous or drunkards, revilers, by the way, revilers is the party crew, the club crew, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. But it doesn't end there. Praise God for that. Listen to verse 11. Such were some of you. And, And it says, but you were washed, you were sanctified, and you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of our God. Ephesians, turn to your right now. Galatians, Ephesians, two books over. Chapter 5. Starting in verse 3. But fornication and all uncleanness and covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for the saints. Did you get that? He's like, this shouldn't even be up for discussion. The church should not be debating whether to ordain particular people with any particular lifestyle that's contrary to Scripture. That shouldn't be even named among them. Now, please understand, if you're out there and you're playing, you're a guy, but you're scoring girls, you're as much in sexual sin as another person who has a lifestyle where guys are going after guys. Because it's, as far as God's concerned, it's off the menu, it's off the menu. That's the point. We're not singling out here. God says, what I want is a pure heart. And for that to happen, I need to have right to rebuild your appetites. I need to have permission. And you know what the scary part is? On both sides of that fence... People will say, God, you can touch every other area but this one because this is who I am. When God says, that is who you were. And the moment you say, how dare you, God, the moment you have not accepted God for who he is. It says also in Ephesians 5, look at verse 4. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. That's what God made your mouth for, by the way. For this you know, that no fornicator, he goes, you guys already know this. No fornicator, unclean person, covetous man or who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of God, of Christ and God. Two more books to the right to Colossians. We're almost done. Chapter 3. It says this in verse 5, Therefore put to death the members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. Turn to the right to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. This is my favorite part of it. 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 3. This is the will of God for you. This is the will of God for you. This is the will of God for you, your sanctification. That you should abstain from sexual immorality. That each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. And that no one should take advantage and 
of and defraud his brother in this matter because the Lord is the avenger of all such as we have also forewarned you and testified. God will seek vengeance on these people. I want you to know that are right now enslaving men and women all over this city. He will get vengeance. I warn you, you do not want to be on the end of that stick. And the person that is selling themselves right now to the person who's selling others, to the person who's kidnapping for that purpose, to the person who's making movies for people to watch of this, for the people who are sexting, for the people who are in secondary school to try to be able to do this and create and cause people to fall. I knew people that went around trying to cause Calvary Chapel pastors to fall. That was their mission. That was their mission. I'm like, God says... Uh, don't worry, I've got this covered. I'll, I'll take care of this. Okay, one last verse, because you get a bonus, because you've been good. <laughs> you're like, really? Revelation 22. In this place where we permanently get to dwell, spend intimacy with the living God, he says this in verse 15. We're at the end of the book now. But outside are dogs. Sorcerers, sexually immoral, murderers, idolaters, and whoever loves and practices a lie. He says, whoever does this is going to have to live by it. Please hear me. Whoever does this is going to have to live by it. Here's the problem. If anything is pure, how many incidences does it take before something is impure once it's pure? Just one. Isn't that the problem? Now, listen. If that's you, can I challenge you to do this? Apply the blood. And you ask God again and again and again. I believe it's one of the reasons he has us still confess. You're like, well, he's forgiven all my sins. Why do we need to still confess? So you could hear you've done something wrong. And as you do, he lightens it and removes it. And I can tell you as a person who lived that lifestyle, the lifestyle of just being sexually immoral, he does remove it. And he didn't remove it because I got married at least to my wife. He removed it because I got married to the Lord. That's what changed it. And praise God, because if it weren't the case, I would never have been able to be faithful to my wife. And that would be horrible for her. It would be horrible. But I knew that when that woman married, she deserved to marry somebody that acted like Jesus, and he's faithful. Now in Germany, when a child is born... You can pick male, female, or other. Are you aware of that? Yeah. Parents can do that. That's really neat, in case the kid's not sure. There are many places now you're probably aware of in America, that duck dynasty. Have you heard of this thing? And the man's a little bit rough in what he says, but the bottom line is, is that he'd spoken in a manner where that really kind of flipped him out. But they reinstated him because the whole group was ready to walk. And you might be afraid to say, hey, look, God wants to forgive and change, but can I just say... God transforms everyone. And there's no person here that, needs to, that doesn't need to be reinvented. It doesn't matter where you start. The question is, are you willing to let the Lord reinvent every area of you, including all of your appetites? Are you willing to? Because if you are willing to let him, and let's face it, you can go on the internet and find all kinds of things to justify your sin, but the reason you're looking is because you know what's not right, but you're trying to placate your conscience. You know it. And again, it doesn't matter what your appetite is. If it's not God's menu, it's sin. Now, as we go to prayer, 
Can you see why we needed to toss this in? Because if we're going to go into the new year right, what if we went in with this? I can't promise that I'll be perfect, but I want to be. And I want to be pure. And I want to be careful. Every person who's on staff with us, in one manner or another, volunteer or otherwise, we have them sign up for a thing called X3 Watch. Can I highly recommend it to you? I get no credit, no commission. It's free. But what it does is you pick accountability partners. And if you go anywhere on your browsing, your iPhone, your iPad, your Samsung, your Galaxy, whatever it is, your computer, if you go anywhere questionable, it'll send that to your accountability partners. You can pick it once a day, once a week, once a month. I highly recommend it. Because I think one of the reasons why the internet has such a power on people is because they could become anonymous. And anonymous is a great place to sin. It's an easy place to sin. Hey, don't tell me it's going to slow down my whatever. You need one more second to get whatever. Because this doesn't even do that. But can I just say, you can't say that something is so important that it's willing to compromise sin. And what God wants, can I just say, there's no rejoicing in a world that's not pure. And you know it. But can I say this? Whoever is in Christ is a new creation. Not just was. As you continue to walk in Christ and you apply the blood, you're in Christ, you're a new creation. Again, that's no license to sin. It is cause to celebrate. As we go to prayer, beloved, it is time to at least say, Lord, today I want to grab arms with someone else and say, I want to walk pure. Hey, you can purchase anything you want here in this country, but I'm not going to do it. If you dress up the way you ever want to or whatever, you put yourself in the right, there's no one here that couldn't walk out with someone somewhere else in this, in this country, in this city. But you've got to make that choice to not just not do it, but to have the right people around you that are blockers, that are going to guard your blind side and say, hey, you're getting way too close to this and love them enough to, because face it, nobody wants accountability when they need it and they love it when they don't because then it's a cheerleader. But if we're going to do it for real and we're going to go to the road of rejoicing, we're going to take steps to purity now. And purity means I'm, I'm going to watch what I look at. As Job would say, I made a covenant with my eyes that I would look at no unclean thing. Will you pray with me? Lord, not only to my past do I want to apply the blood. Not only to my loneliness do I want to apply the blood. Not only to my restlessness do I want to apply the blood. Not only, Lord, to my conflicts and struggles do I want to apply the blood. But Lord, today, to my eyes, I want to apply the blood. To my mind, I want to apply the blood. And I want to be pure before you. Pure. And you've promised, Lord, that the world around us isn't going to approve. That the world we came from isn't going to approve. Even if that world was a religious world, they may not approve. The world that we're being put into, we may not approve. But we want to, as a family here, challenge each other to the greatest good, not just better good. To a world of purity. Even in an impure world, and you promised, the world around us is not going to be pure. It's going to be the opposite. If it's anything, it's going to be purely unpure. Impure. But you've made us in a way, Lord, that we could be incorruptible. And you told us that men, godly men, are to be a symbol, a type, a lifestyle of incorruptibility. You told us that in Titus 2. 
So make us incorruptible people. And God, I just want to pray for my brothers and sisters here and myself included. Lord, guard our eyes, guard our minds, guard our hearts. And may we live a life that applies the blood. So Lord, I just pray today, right now, in this room, if there be any who have not accepted the gift of Jesus and their life hasn't had the blood applied and there they are, just that speck, waiting for life to become animated, right now, guide them by your Spirit that they would pray. And for anyone here who has, that we would make a lifestyle of applying the blood to allow you to change everything about us, to make us pure people who don't make accommodations for a world out there when you've called us to hire. So I pray right now, make us pure. And if you're not sure if you've ever accepted the gift of Jesus, or you know today you haven't, I'm going to pray a prayer I ask you to listen. And at the end, if you agree, say amen. And what you're saying is, I agree. Let that prayer be my prayer. Let those words be mine. And here it is. God in heaven, I confess to you, I am a sinner. And I know my sin separates me from you. But... I believe that you love me so much that you sent your son to die on the cross to shed his blood to pay the price for all my guilt. He died and was buried and just like your scripture promised, on the third day he rose again. And because of that, I say yes to Jesus and I let him be my Lord and my Savior. Apply your blood to my life now and wash me clean and make me yours, I pray. Atone, ransom, redeem and now give me the life that you want to give me, I pray. Make me yours. In Jesus' name. Amen.